3: that's right, chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchases, by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. On Florida's Space Coast, we think you can have the best of both worlds. Kind of like right now. Driving, at your desk, maybe at the gym, but you're also grooving to some music. Visit us and you'll go to the beach and see a rocket launch or go kayaking and manatee spotting. It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com.
1: All right, everyone. Welcome back to Cricket Unfiltered. I'm menes I have with me Jaleesa Apps. Jaleesa, how are you? <laughs> I'm doing well, Menace. How are you? Good, thanks. Um, Star of Channel 10 and SEN host, Jaleesa Apps. Um, I I heard you've got a new show on Starting Soon.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Steve O'Keefe and I are actually going to be doing a show together on Sundays, but it's going to cover all sport, not just cricket, although he can obviously shed quite a lot of light on cricket. And, yeah, we'll just see how long it takes us to get fired, I guess.
1: <laughs> Great. <laughs> Terrific. And uh, we've got Paul Dennett. Well, Paul, uh, how are you first?
2: Good, mate. How are you? Hey, Lisa. Yeah, so congratulations okay. on the new show. That sounds
1: fantastic. Thank you. Uh, upset the ladies last week, Paul. So Benison O'Reilly, this is what you wrote in. One, R.E. Maxwell's wedding. Poor Mrs. Dennett. Her hub's a real romantic, isn't he? <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, you know, um, as I said, it's uh, it's their choice, of course. But um, if it was a lifelong, a, life, a life-changing career opportunity, then I would certainly um, want my partner to have that opportunity. But it's not my business. It's theirs. <laughs> <laughs> um,
3: what if she is
0: saying what if she's saying go and do it and it's him
2: well that's and that's absolutely fine although i'm just saying from from my point of view that's what i would be doing
1: <laughs> and uh and rahul made a good point i guess on the maxwell thing uh, he, he didn't um have as much sympathy for your wife but he, he did have sympathy for the fact that Mo- uh, maxwell's been ignored for so long and therefore should he just drop his wedding for a tour he might not go on
2: well, that's the point that I was thinking. I didn't think he was going to be picked anyway, and you made the point that you thought he would have been. So that's sort of, I think, where I was coming from. If I completely agree with that, that if he really wasn't going to be picked, it'd be pretty disappointing to say, "Yes, I'm available. I'm going to um, <laughs> put my wedding on hold," and then find out that he's not getting picked. So I was kind of saying that if they'd said to him, "Look, you, you're going to be going," then I would have gone. Otherwise, yeah, have the wedding for sure. Don't, 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 don't cancel the wedding on account of a few one days. Definitely.
1: Uh, have you run this by your wife this scenario yet, Paul?
2: No, <laughs> um, I don't know if I have, but um, uh, well, I think she'd agree with me. You know, it's not, not, you know, not related to cricket. Like if I was, um, if I was getting married to someone and they had a massive opportunity in their career, uh, I, I'd be saying let's uh, let's postpone it. But that's just me in, in a hypothetical situation. Uh, there, obviously, they've thought about this situation and they've, um, they can do whatever they please. And I wish them. all all the very best and i hope that um i hope i get an invitation to the wedding
1: same uh <laughs> so lots to talk about we've got the news we've got can't let it go but let's start with the um highlights of the summer the international summer's come to an end it's all over so i guess uh, Jaleesa, do you have some highlights um,
0: in, in terms of just the ge- just the general, I guess, just winning the Ashes and doing it so, I guess, proving us wrong, manners. We um we thought that maybe we were all underestimating Paul didn't, but you and I thought we were all underestimating England and maybe they would push us and. Just to be able to win that at home was um, fantastic and also to overcome a bit of adversity, which I feel like hasn't maybe been focused on enough with the fact that we had um, Pat Cummins out with COVID and there was a lot of, a lot of was made about the adversity that England faced coming out here, but we had to overcome a lot of adversity as well. So that and also, um, I guess just before that, winning the World Cup.
1: Well, pretty big highlights. Any lowlights, say Anything that pissed you off?
0: Yeah, just the handling of Justin Langer situation. I just thought, again, that was Cricket Australia. Just every couple of years they seem to have these huge, big blunders, and I think that one was just so poorly handled. Um, not that I think he should have stayed, but that they could have made that decision so, qu- so much quicker. And it sort of took away it, – it really annoyed me that it took away from – not only was it a really good summer for the men, but then in the middle of the women winning the Ashes, that wasn't getting any coverage at all, not even by myself, my, at my own network. I have to put my hand up for that as well. We were covering it, but certainly not in the depth that we normally would because there was all this Langer stuff happening.
1: Yeah, it's a good point. Paul, what about you? Highlights and lowlights? Yeah, I'd agree with those
2: highlights and lowlights. I, I think you're being kind to me, Julissa. I think I was also thinking England would have a a better chance than they showed um i add to that i thought that the probably the on-field most electrifying moment i felt like was the final session of the women's ashes test so many times over the years there's been this oh will they go for the total or will they make a declaration and 99% of the time it never comes to anything so to find england being given a target that was achie- achievable and then actually realizing they're genuinely going for it i just found it so entertaining that you know plenty of co- uh, comments you can make about the way it all unfolded but it was uh, captivating tv i love the australia women's one day where australia were gone and ended up winning controversial circumstances at the end where they got a, a waist tie full toss but that was a, a marvelous game as well the emergence of cameron green uh he's bowling and batting both took to, to, to new levels travis head coming back was um, superb pat cummins's captaincy um menace is not going to like this but i think it's good that we've got a new coach on board i don't agree with the the way that cricket australia handled it but i think that uh, a bit like uh, Winston Churchill being replaced by Clement Attlee in England um, after the Second World War. Churchill got the job done in the war. Clement Attlee then brought in the NHS and did a lot of good things in peacetime. And I think that maybe um, Andrew McDonald will be a good peacetime leader. And Scott Boland, fantastic um, from nowhere, coming to become one of the, the cult heroes of the summer. Lowlights. Um, I'm just so sad about the Will, will Pukowski situation. Uh, England were were very, very disappointing. I think that even if they played to their best, they probably would have lost. But if they would made a few smarter decisions, they might have made it a bit closer. The Big Bash was disappointing, as were the February White Ball Internationals. Plenty of excuses around those, but still, I think at their core, um, there's some serious changes or improvements that need to be made to both, especially with regards to the February Internationals. And the fact that we didn't have a one day in the men's all summer uh, at home and no one noticed and no one cared, including me. Uh, I'm just wondering what the future of 50 over white ball cricket is uh, for the men uh, in outside of world cups. Uh, It's a pity that it wasn't that long ago that they made the summer. Now they've uh, had none and uh, barely a whimper.
0: I think it's uh, the future of it is, is very grim. And uh, we've spoken extensively on this podcast about why, that is, and it's because they put it behind a paywall. They put it on only on um, Foxtel, not free to air, which um, that's frustrating. Can I also just have one more highlight and low light wrapped into one? Highlight for me, Michael Nisa making his debut. Low light, the fact that he never got spoken about again. It was all, it, was, it was going to be Scott Boland or Josh Hazelwood that plays. And poor Michael Nisa then got forgotten about for the rest of the
1: series.
2: And now he's injured as well. He's missing the tour to Pakistan.
1: Yep. All right, my highlights and lowlights. Uh, yeah, like Paul, I love that um, ODI series versus India in the women's game, and you mentioned that one one game where Australia um, got up and won. And then I think, though, India won the next game and broke Australia's very yeah. long undefeated streak. So I like those matches. My other highlight was the stark ball to start the Ashes off, an unforgettable yeah. Ashes moment. The Kawaja Twin Tons was a beautiful story at the Sydney Cricket Ground, recalled, and then um, basically knocking the door down with those impressive innings. So they're my highlights. Paul took most of them, so there's not much left. Uh, Lowlights, um, Langer going, that's sad. Um, the other lowlight was the England team, just pathetic. Um, Again, zero competition. I think Ed Cowan on his podcast said that they gave up by the second test, the POMs, so that was a bit annoying. Uh, Thanks for coming, but um, they didn't really put much effort in. And my other low light is probably um, Cricket Australia. They haven't had a great summer, starting with the Tim Payne axing all the way through to the handling of the Justin Langer situation and their reputations in tatters.
0: I sort of forgot about Tim Payne. I forgot that even happened. He's just sort of gone, and we've never thought of it. why well, I haven't thought about him again.
2: It's so true. It was the biggest news story, and then um, it's, a bit, it's a bit like Donald Trump and not not comparing the two guys, but <laughs> Donald Trump was front and center, and then all of a sudden, I haven't thought of Donald Trump for weeks and weeks um same with Tim payne, but um yeah, let me stress again I don't I'm not comparing the two of them as individuals.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I did not expect a Payne Trump comparison. All right. Um, well that was our highlights and lowlights of the international summer. The cricket season is basically over now in Australia, so um, I'll be looking forward to next summer. Can't wait. Um, I I thought it's worth sort of looking at the T20 series, Australia v Sri Lanka, uh, the five matches. Not so much the details, but the, the stats out of it. And the leading run scorer for Australia was Josh Inglis, who made his international debut, made 155 runs at an average of just under 39, with just a lazy strike rate of 144. Then the second leading run scorer was Glenn Maxwell, and then there's a bit of a gap to the rest. So really Inglis, and, Inglis was the real um, story out of that summer, apart from Ashton Agar, who only played three matches but didn't concede a boundary at all in any of his Spells, so that's pretty incredible. Uh, In 12 overs in T20 cricket, not to concede a boundary. Now, I did um ask George Bailey yesterday about Inglis. Let's have a a watch or listen. Hi, George. I was just wondering what you made of Josh Inglis's uh, international debut. I
2: loved it, um, very excited and, and had been excited to see it for some time, so um. I guess the highlights for me were how, how quickly he settled into um, playing his own own game uh, on the back of you know seeing some, sim- some similar um, traits from some of the players that, that debuted in the test series over the summer. I think that um, speaks volumes for a group when a player can come in and feel comfortable to express themselves um, and, and feel comfortable enough to play the array of shots that he's got. Um, in many ways, it sort of felt like we ended up having having the flexibility of two Glenn Maxwells through through the middle. Uh, I love the fact that he was able to adapt the role at different times, obviously batting at three and then slipping down to, to five at uh, a couple of opportunities as well. So that showed a, a good ability to adapt, um, which is a great skill set at that level um, as well. So, yeah, re- really pleased for
1: him. Thank you. That's a good wrap. Uh,
2: Hi, praise Metis- there from George Bailey. Congratulations to you men as you've been uh, really bullish on Josh Inglis for a while now. And I've always kind of um, been dragged along with you, but now I've realized just how right you were and he's right up there amongst the first I'd pick for, for the tournament. Now And I was particularly impressed with the way that he played in that fourth game where Sri Lanka didn't get many, but they had Australia wobbling slightly and uh, it's kind of to um, the point that uh, Uh, Bailey made then, that it was like we had two Maxwells out there. It was Maxwell and Inglis. And they just took the game away with consummate ease from Sri Lanka. Australia wobbling one minute, strolling to victory the next. So, yeah, he is one of the very first players picked for the next World Cup, in my opinion.
1: Agree.
0: I thought it was um, interesting in the Big Bash that he probably didn't have as good a Big Bash series as he has in the past and probably would have liked. And at that point, I thought, oh, maybe he isn't as as good as we've all been thinking. But um, yeah, he's certainly um certainly one of the stars of the future. And it also, I think, illustrates to me how much we can't take the big bash for good form or bad form. It's just such a erratic tournament that sometimes. We've been lured into people in the past that we've thought are going to be really good. I think Dan Christian, perhaps his Big Bash form has been uh, far better uh, than. His. Uh,
1: uh, uh, uh. No slandering of Dan Christian while Paul's here, Lisa. <laughs> Come on now, take that back, or I'm going to call Stephen O'Keefe and tell him what you said about his teammate. And you, hey, you listen,
3: I, so. be nice. I have
0: no problem with Dan Christian, but if you're going to say that he translated the form that he had in the Big Bash into this into Australian form, he he hasn't.
2: Uh, you'll notice I didn't jump into the fan. I'm still a big fan of Christian, but I kind of... Um, man, as I'm no longer as, as rabid as I was, so uh, I kind of accept Jaleesa's point. I mean, I think it was unlucky that he got his opportunity in that sort of second incarnation of his international career in conditions that never really suited him. If the world had been different and had been our Big Bash, our um, World Cup that was postponed, if if it had been last year and if he'd been able to play lots of games in Australia after his good Big Bash last year... He may have done better. He wasn't really suited in the West Indies, Bangladesh. and then. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you can only stretch that excuse so far. He, he didn't play all that well subsequently. They had a reasonable big bash this year, more so with the ball than with the bat. i still a, a fine player, and I still uh, really like him. But the other one that's interesting is Ashton Agar. The, 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 the way it stands, he had an economy rate of 3.91 in this series, and the bizarre spectacle of him opening the batting because they're trying to find a way to squeeze him into the side. And I think the obvious way is to say – it's okay if they ultimately make the decision that it's two quicks and two spinners um, that go into the side and you have Agar and Zampa playing and then Hazelwood and Cummins. And if if it turns out that there's a, a bit of seam up needed, then Stoinis and Mitchell Marsh can do that. And you certainly still have someone like Stark in the squad and Kane Richardson in the squad, but maybe that's the the 2-2 is the best approach in Australian conditions.
1: Mm, I'm not so sure about that one. I'll tell you what I did not like was Ashton Agar opening the batting in a couple of games. I thought that was very perplexing and just, just bad for the series. If you turn on and you see Agar opening the batting, it, it sort of feels like a big bash game. Um, so I thought that was probably a misstep. The, they did say that that was to give him time in the middle because he hasn't had many innings uh, for Australia recently. But still, I mean, surely there's better options. Just on your point, Jaleesa, about the big bash, I don't think England's is a good example. But I think Ben McDermott is. Mm. He came up, he made a 50 in the first game, but then actually I think he looked out of his depth for the rest of the series. And look, Sri Lanka's a good side, but, you know, they're probably not in the the top few international T20 sides. And I think McDermott displayed the gap between the Big Bash and international cricket there.
0: We're always really hard on these guys that are coming in. I think we always analyse their form so strictly but then we don't like, I would still take Ben McDermott over Aaron Finch any day of the week.
1: Yeah, I'm not so sure about that.
2: I'd probably not have either of them on my side at the moment. Um, mm. And uh, again... open with Inglis. Well, yeah, um, I think that's the side that I had the other week I'd opening um, opening up with Inglis and I think that that stands to reason. It was interesting how they said that the opening with Agar and it, there was some parallels with what McDonald and Finch did at the Renegades with opening with Sunil Narayan and that Uh, He came off because he was a, a six hitter and he could come out. Look, if I'd be happy for them to open with Stark and just say, come out and hit some sixes, but Agar he's a good player, but he's, and he's got some beautiful flowing shots, but he's not sort of the guy that you think of. That's going to hit six after six. The other explanation given was that they thought it would lengthen the batting order. And I found that a bit like that story of the guy that tried to build the tower to the moon and, he was one rung short, so he just went to the bottom and pulled the bottom step up and put that on top. It doesn't really work that way. Um, it is what it is. But um, if, if they're just doing it to give him some a hit, then actually I'm fine with that. Like you know, that's what these sorts of series are for. But I would like to see him in the in the side in the calculations for the side, but coming in at number nine.
1: Yeah, I wonder if this is the taste of this superb coaching we're going to see from Andrew McDonald uh, in oh, the as, future.
2: Oh, as you, that's beneath you, mate. Come on, uh, you've mate. got it. Langer's gone. Langer's gone. <laughs> Uh, he had okay, he had um, a good run don't don't, I'm don't, hold don't be you like Raj. <laughs> that'd <don't> be bitter
3: <laughs> well i
1: mean in his first year anyway whatever i'm not going to continue um you said you enjoyed the sri lankan series ball no one else did why
2: well i'm the only one in australia who watched it so that's a that's one it's of the true. reasons that i that i barely I did. watched it <laughs> <laughs> i watched pretty much every ball um, uh, except for the final game where i was out and they, they tricked me uh, <laughs> For some reason, they put the game on two hours early. I mean, obviously, they didn't trick me. I just hadn't checked, but I expected it to be a <laughs> night game and then found out it wasn't. Um, I just found it entertaining because aside from the fact that the crowds were poor, the games didn't mean anything and Sri Lanka got thrashed, There's <laughs> three pretty big ifs, um, Sri Lanka have a fair few exciting players. And I think that um, if they could get all of them on the park, they could actually cause an upset or two uh, in this upcoming World Cup. I think they're a better side than you know they perform with... COVID and injuries and dropped catches and whatever else and you know it was just entertaining some entertaining cricket and I think ultimately still international T20 cricket is a fantastic spectacle it's just a pity when so much of it all of it except for World Cup games just does not matter and I know it's pie in the sky but I would love it I've heard um, Rami's Raja talking about now that he's in charge of Pakistan cricket trying to get a regular series each year of England Pakistan Australia and India in T20 cricket and everyone says oh well you know that's just a greedy sort of thing. But I'd love that. I'd love some sort of thing equivalent to the Six Nations in rugby union where the World Cup is the big thing. But for those Northern Hemisphere nations, they really care and they really pack out Six Nations games because it means something. If we could have something like that in February where Australia, South Africa, New Zealand and a regular guest or something like that with some T20 games across the different countries and there's a, a little bit of a pool and a final and everything else like that, that I'd find interesting and give the game some meaning. But these bilateral series, they're just killing the brand.
0: Yeah, I fully agree with you, Paul. I think that would be really good to have. And also just um, when when you do things like that, just to also have the patience that, okay, it might not mean something initially, like, you know, even the Test Championship, everyone was sort of like, didn't even know it was happening. But over the next few years or the few series of that, where you do start to build rivalries and thing, it just needs probably a little bit of patience. But I would love to see that.
2: It's funny when I look back and you see the, uh, the old highlights of the, the World Series Cup that used to be on and Richie Benno's talking at the points table and it's a points table of three for matches that sometimes they'd have 14 preliminary games to get to a best of three final series where only one got eliminated. And you'd think, how could this have possibly engaged us? Yet I watched it every year and loved it every year. It was just that slight hint of kind of making it into an actual tournament that made a, a huge difference. There are, of course, lots of other reasons as well, but I'd love to replicate that. I can't see it happening there.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I feel whatever structure he does is going to not work until the best players are available. And the way the schedule's looking, that's probably never going to happen for these white ball games. But I just think that the, 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 the punters are sick of it. You know, most of the time when it's not a World Cup, it's six of us, five or six of Australia's best 11, and then the, the rest. And I, I think, you know, why people like that, the World Series that you were talking about, Paul, is because it was the best. It was. You know, the West Indies coming here with their great side, taking on Australia's best team and then probably the problems were there sometimes and the Kiwis with Hadley. Uh, I, I think people now have worked out that too much of this is just just filling, you know, filling spots with reserves.
2: Absolutely. And also imagine how bad the crowds would have been if instead of being uh, T20s, these last five games had been 50 over games. You probably don't rob a few extra thousand off the crowd.
1: Yeah. A few more notes here from Paul Dennett. Notable that Australia's only loss of the summer, men or women, was in the final game versus Sri Lanka. Uh, the TV deal is up in two years. Are we worried that maybe none of 9, 7 or 10 are especially keen? Well, Jaleesa, I mean, what's the talk in the corridors at Channel 10?
0: Uh, I to to would that. find it hard to believe none of them would be keen for the right price. I think there's certainly probably some damage done with every single network so that's probably not good for Cricket Australia. <laughs> uh, nine obviously didn't see the value in getting the cricket again and they flicked it. Um, ten I think well there was negotiations there and Uh, They eventually broke down and uh, maybe there's a bit of animosity there. Uh, And seven, obviously, they've gone through that court case to try and not even pay for um, what they agreed to. So I don't imagine that any network is super keen to deal with Cricket Australia, but they'll all take it at the right price. There's no doubt about that. I think uh, I could see it going back to nine purely because of the um, way that nine has um made a real charge with stan they seem to be picking up a lot of although they did let go of the super netball which was surprising but they seem to be picking up whatever's available and throwing it on stan for the right price so i could probably see maybe nine and stan going for it again um be interesting with seven i don't with what what kind of damage has been done there by that litigation but i don't really think that Cricket Australia in a great position at the moment um, for negotiating it.
1: Amazon Prime.
2: Well, that's the fear. That's the fear that they'll find that it you know be on some crazy platform. And, uh, you know, I'm not really thinking that's going to be the case. But as Jaleesa said, all three networks will do it for the right price. But all three are going to be from a starting position of saying, we're not overly keen to negotiate with you guys again, given the way that um, things went last time and also the way that the, the deal has gone. So, um, I'm not sure that they're going to get a commensurate amount to what they got last time, which is a bit of a, a concern. And um, they've only got themselves to blame. So we'll see how that pans out in a couple of years' time. Hopefully the, shed, hopefully the situation has improved um, by then. Most certainly. What
0: I could see happening is definitely the Test matches just being sold as – like the Tests summer being sold as a completely separate package to almost everything else. So then have the Big Bash sold separately The one day is sold separately, T20 sold separately, which sort of has already kind of happened at the moment, but I can just see it being split even more.
1: Agreed. All right, right. let's get into the cricket headlines. The the first one is that uh, Australia has announced their white ball squad for Pakistan. So, um, look, the the strange thing here is a lot of players are resting. Um, So, obviously, the big quick start, Cummins, Hazelwood, uh, David Warner, Steve Smith. Uh, oh, no, Steve Smith's actually in the squad, sorry. David Warner's coming back. Um, Manus Lubbershane's in the white ball squad, so you'll be happy about that, Paul. Um, so this is mainly a 50-over squad. There's only one T20, and George Bailey said they have basically picked a 50-over squad, and they'll just pick a, a T20 side from that. I guess that the key sort of debating point here is, you know, a lot of players... First-team players are resting from this white ball stuff but then are going to the IPL straight after. Now, the way the contracting works actually, say Cummins resting from this white ball series, can't actually go to the IPL until this is finished because it would be a terrible look if you had, I don't know, Cummins opening the bowling in an IPL game the same day Australia's playing Pakistan. Um, So what do you think of that situation?
2: I think it's actually okay. I think it's a difficult situation that... Normally, they don't like to schedule things that clash with the IPL, but sometimes it's unavoidable. It could have been really ugly that it could have been a situation where they said, oh, all right, well, look, you know, we've got to let you guys go and off you go and play in the IPL. That's what England has done sometimes. And that would have been really, really disappointing for everyone who values international cricket and also for the Pakistan fans. I looked at a lot of Pakistan fans on Twitter and they're kind of of the attitude, okay, well, if these guys have chosen to sit out the games. That's fine, but the fact that they can't play the IPL until that tour is over that gives us some sort of peace. And I think that, at the same way, that by allowing them to get to the IPL earlier and get their quarantine done and whatever else, it sort of pacifies the 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 BCCI bit as well. So I think in this instance, they've probably got a difficult balance. Okay, in my opinion,
0: I I find it a bit strange to sit out the these matches, but. Not be playing anywhere else. Like, if that was the case, I would have thought you'd just put your hand up and say, all right, well, I'll play these. Like, what else are you doing? Um, so They've got to rest up yeah, for their I, IPL I,
1: clubs, I, Jaleesa. They've got to rest up for the IPL. I mean, that's, that's what they're basically doing. I mean, if the IPL wasn't there, they'd be playing in this series and having a rest after.
0: I mean, what does it even matter how you go in the IPL? You've already got the money. Like, I don't yeah, know. Well, I exactly. Just, I, it does leave a little bit of a bit of taste when you, when, you know, it's, uh, I find it really disappointing when you see players rest. Uh, What I, what I think contributes to the, with games that uh, mean nothing in inverted commas is that when players rest it makes those games it makes the other games more important they're basically saying well these other games are more important these games we know mean nothing and so then you see all these young guys come in but even watching them means nothing because you're like oh they're it's kind of just the default side yeah they haven't so even i earned feel it. like something sorry
1: well they haven't even earned it they're just like only picked because the best teams not available
0: or you could look at it the flip side that they've finally earned their spot and then they get punted when someone decides they want to play cricket again. So yeah. I don't know, it does this whole resting thing, like I get I'm I get why they need the, the rest in certain situations. The the schedule is completely jam-packed, but when it does affect international cricket, it is a little bit of a bitter pill to swallow.
1: Mm. And I should make a note, Mitchell Stark. He's not playing in this series, but he's not going to the IPL. He's just actually having a rest, so I I can cop that. You know, I I just find it a bit hypocritical. He's always sort of done.
0: He's always rejected the IPL to actually rest.
1: And good on him. You know, he doesn't. You know, warning and all that questions his attitude on the field. He's one hundred percent committed to playing for Australia. I wish some of these players were more like that. Um, He's one
0: hundred percent committed to playing for Australia, and he's also committed to his is balanced too in his life mentally and um and bit resting his body and yeah you're right he's not just sort of chasing all the money which I don't begrudge anyone for but it does it is like a little bit as a viewer a little bit of yeah.
1: like you chasing the cash on Sundays with O'Keefe.
0: I you know what I would have been doing on Sundays? Just enjoying my life and now I get to enjoy it with Steve O'Keefe. So
1: whatever. Um I'm all right, not resting so... from
0: anything Menes, let me tell you. <laughs>
1: Um, that's good to know. I wasn't sure if I'd get send your message that you're um resting from the next cricket unfiltered.
0: Absolutely anyway.
1: not. Um, Cameron Green's in this fifty over squad, and there was an interesting sort of chat from Bailey. I get the feeling that um, they're actually really looking at Cameron Green as being part of our fifty over team next year because, of his immense all-round abilities, we've seen it in the the domestic fifty-over competition. He's he's got a phenomenal record, and you add into it his superb bowling. I mean, he would be great in our fifty-over team.
2: Absolutely, yeah. Um, he's. Uh, I I think it's great that he's in the side.
1: All right, so that's the team. It's three ODIs, one T20 at the end of that Pakistan tour. Tim David wasn't picked uh, because. Um, it's a 50-over squad. He was asked that a few times. Um, but, Paul, you've got some thoughts around this?
2: Well, I think it's just pleasing that they're actually talking about him. I think that it took for six different franchises to bid for him and for him to go for more money than any other Australian in the, in this year's IPL auction for the selectors to actually notice him. And I think that's um, that's to their detriment. That's 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 bad. But he, his record is the best of any Australian in T20 cricket. He has a strike rate higher than anyone and a very, very good average. So um, he is probably the first batter I would pick for the next um, world cup. Uh, So I think I'm fine that he's not in this 50 over squad, although I probably would have picked him, but um, I'd rather him get some, (laughs) get a chance in the IPL. Um, So I I think it's great that he's now on
1: the horizon and it's taken the auction to put him there. All right. This is a Paul Dennett message alert. So apex stars. Good evening from Texas. Regularly watch the channel both live and recorded. Oh, that's going to tickle Paul Dennett in all the right places. A Texan fan watching.
2: Fantastic. Um, Really, really
1: happy. (laughs) Great. Um, What time is it there? Uh, It's last night. It's Tuesday night. Um, I'm actually hoping to go to Texas uh, this year. So fingers crossed. There's a podcast conference in Dallas that I might be going to. All right, next headline, James
2: um, Faulkner. 9, 9.04 p.m., uh,
1: James Faulkner has um, made all the wrong headlines in the last week. Uh, he, he sent out some tweets saying he was leaving the Pakistan Super League due to a pay dispute. And then, um, yeah, it, it sort of got ugly there. The Pakistan Cricket Board released their version of events. I mean, Paul, how you start this off. I'm a bit lost. Well, it's just really
2: sad, I think, because um, I I actually haven't checked his Twitter because since he sent that statement, has he actually made any official statement?
1: No, you keep talking and I'll have a look.
2: Okay, because as it stands, basically, it seems as though the Pakistan cricket board version of events seems like it hasn't been really contested. And that is, they did pay him his money just to an account in England. He then kind of went back and said, actually, I'd rather it in my Aussie account, they said We'll try to switch it across. Oh, they won't let us reverse it. So, you know, you'll have to get it out of your England account. And he said, "No, I want a sort of a duplicate payment into my Australian account." That's what caused the the issue. He's then thrown a bat and a helmet into the chandelier and stormed out of the uh, out of the league. And it just doesn't look great for him if that's the if that's how it is. Now, I'd be interested if he comes back and um, puts a different perspective on things. But they've banned him for life. I've read articles saying not many leagues around the world would be all that keen on getting him at the moment. And it's just sad that uh, he had the World Cup final player of the match. I was keen for him to get in the test side. And I, they, I saw an article the other day We'd had the, his um, final first-class figures as they finished up. And he had a batting average of 30-odd and a bowling average in the sort of mid, almost low 20s. Like That's fantastic figures. If, if it wasn't for his dodgy knee, then maybe he could have had a, a – uh, some sort of a career at test level because it was at the time, where, as always, we were crying out for an all-rounder. And with those sorts of figures, it would have been great. So it's um, it's been a it's a dis- difficult couple of years for him and I just wish him all the best. And hopefully some other league does pick him up and he gets to keep on playing.
1: Apex Stars has written in, we need to meet up, Menas. I'm in Dallas. And he's asked emails or other ways to connect offline. Follow me on Twitter at Amenas. Love to hear from you. Um, Menas' so-
0: phone number is 04-
3: <laughs>
1: I'll give out your phone number and I reckon you'll get more calls. Um and and uh so with the Faulkner thing, I mean I respect his ability to burn bridges wherever he goes, but um he certainly has a history of it. He did a fiery interview on um Australian radio just before the summer, savaging his treatment by the Hobart hurricane. So he's a fiery character, but yeah, this is done. It just hasn't done wonders for his reputation, and uh, yeah, it's obviously going to affect his livelihood because you'd be, I don't know, reticent to sign him up if you're a a league. Um, But yeah, I mean, look, he's not the first T Twenty cricketer that's complained about not being paid. That there is actually a problem that some leagues are not great payers.
2: But I don't think the I don't think the Pakistan Super League's in that category. I don't think there's ever any. Yeah, I think that they pay.
1: All righty, um, and just speaking, staying on t twenty. Just
0: just to clarify, did so? Did he put out another statement when you looked? Then
1: no, no other statement. Robot Jalisa, um, no other statement. He um,
0: um, he seems to think very, uh, very highly of himself. Being a sort of, in terms of blowing up the Hobart Hurricanes because they didn't pay him what he's worth, and they went, oh, okay, well, you can find someone else to pay that market value. Well, good luck. And this, look, if it's interesting that he hasn't come back and clarified that because if that's the case, well, they've done nothing wrong. Back, this, you know, they've done absolutely nothing wrong. They've paid him. Exactly. Provide your right yeah. bank account details and move on. Otherwise, thank you. I'm sure
1: accounts, he regrets we'll it.
2: I'm sure he regrets storming out.
1: And said uh, we really have to get you something for your phone if we're going to keep recording like this. I'll have to do some research and get you some kind of headset or something. Okay. Well, okay. I mean, um, that'd be, I would think it'd be really good because we're not going to be in studio much this year. Listeners. Um, Yeah. Staying on T20 cricket, Simon Cadditch has quit the sunrises. So that follows Trevor Bayless leaving David Warner being sacked. Tom Moody stepped up to the head coach. So real changes there. Keep an eye on that heading into the IPL. Um. That's all I've got to say. There's nothing much to talk about there. But Simon Cadditch is looking for a job. He'd be a good Aussie coach. Why not think about him as the Aussie coach? He could, like, hold anyone up against the wall that doesn't display the baggy green spirit. <laughs> yeah, if they think Langer's tough, why could they get Caddo in there.
2: Be, like, no, he's, to... he's,
1: he's calm. He's probably from Isn't the Simon. He? He, he played a lot of cricket with JL. He wouldn't take any shit. <laughs> this fucking you know soft lovey-dovey coaching um all right a new uh there's a new chairman of the board at Cricket Australia Dr Lachlan Henderson I heard him on Australian radio speaking to Jared Waitley earlier this week he sounds fine uh Ian Chapel was on ABC radio last week and I'm listening to a lot of radio aren't I? and he said that his problem with the current board is that it's not balanced. He thinks a board with all cricketers is bad and he thinks a board with all business people is bad. So he looks at this current board and says there's, there should be at least a couple of former test cricketers there um, to, to sort of blend in with the the business people. Uh, so I guess that's something to keep in mind. I just totally disagree with him. I mean,
2: by that logic, if ever you or I or Jaleesa were on the board, they would say oh well they're not cricket people because they didn't play test cricket so they can't possibly know what's going on that what you need from your board is business acumen and intelligence the the bit about knowing what cricket is and how it fits into society is the single easiest bit you're going to find and this guy henderson he played first grade um he knows what cricket is just because he didn't play mm. test cricket um what's the difference and th- that's underlined by that dan breddick book that he brought out um showing the the amateur negotiations that my hero Don Bradman was responsible for after the piece in World Series cricket that basically they were so pleased that they were getting more money than they'd ever got before, they didn't realise that they should have been getting 10 times or 100 times the amount of money that Kerry Packer was paying them. And he was making, you know, squillions and paying them nowhere near as much because they didn't have anyone on the board who was an expert in negotiating TV rights. They had all ex-players. So I just think there's no... um you know, I don't want an ex-test cricketer on the board just because he was a, v- a little bit better than the average person at playing a cover drive. That's just, I just don't understand that.
1: But I think what Chapel's saying is you just should have a blend. So you're right, a board with all ex-test cricketers is silly. Uh, but, you know, you should have one or two there to give that perspective.
2: Why? You've got the Australian Cricketers Association that they're going to be in close contact with. Mm-hmm. Why not have a few dentists on there as well and, and make sure you've got someone who's um, been to Antarctica? Like, what possible skills does uh, being an ex cricketer give you to be a, a board member? I don't get it.
1: Mm. Well, well Chapel actually, Ian Chapel said that it was about knowing what it takes to win at the highest level. That was what he was saying. That's just,
2: that just makes no sense. That's like, um, that they're just words. What do you mean takes no. How does that then translate to uh being a good board member? I don't I don't understand that. I mean I love Chapelle. No,
1: obviously the way decisions are made. Um Jalisa tiebreaker, what do you think? Pardon? What do you think? Um I've got
0: no strong feelings on either of this. I'm I'm not getting involved. You two can battle it out yourself.
2: One okay. well, other thing I'd say um that uh in, interesting about um Henderson, and I, I don't want to go too long about board appointments, but I find it interesting that when you look at him um, on LinkedIn, uh, if I'd been made chairman of the board, if you looked at my LinkedIn, it would straight away say um, that I'm that I am the chairman of the board. He says, it says, group chief, group chief executive at Epworth Healthcare. In other words, he's staying on in the role where he's the chief executive officer of a major company. And I know there's precedent for this, you know, Peter landis in rugby league and, and horse racing, but I just think that, it's a little bit to say, have they really scoured the earth for the best possible chairman? And at the end of day, they've come back and found a bloke who's been on their own board for the last three years, who, you know, their board hasn't exactly covered itself in in glory um, in the last three years. And they've got plenty of important things to do uh, going forward. Even on that interview with uh, Jared Waitley, he described his CEO gig as his day job, and um, I think that the chairmanship of Cricket Australia should be his day job. And I understand that you don't need all all seven days in the week to be a chairman of of the board of of a company. I just think, um, you know, is he the, is he the very best choice? He sounds fine when Waitley asked him about, you know, why he wanted to become chairman. He really didn't give much of an answer other than he's, he's done a bit of board work before and he enjoyed it. I would have hoped to see some vision and some real passion. Maybe that's what you get. With a, a CEO, uh, with a chairman, you want someone who's you know very sober and meticulous, and he'll do a great job behind the scenes. But I was a little bit underwhelmed by that interview, if I'm being honest.
0: What do you get? Like uh, what take. do you get paid as a the chairman?
1: Don't know, but we'll, can you find out for us, Chalisa?
0: Well, I yeah, because I, I think that's very determinative on whether it should be considered as a full time job or not. Because if
1: you I think Eddings was getting 300k a year, somewhere around there. I'm not okay, saying it should well, be a so full-time probably,
0: job. It probably should be a, a pretty large part of what you consider a day job then, isn't it?
2: Yeah. Mm. What I'm saying is that it, it seems that there's a precedent for people to sit on different boards and, you know, I could be the chairman of this company on the board of that and chairman of this, but not so much to also be the CEO of a major healthcare company that you'd have to think that job would be 24 seven. And to then also be the chairman of um, cricket Australia, uh, I just think, gosh, that's a big amount to be taking on. Um, to be taking on, and the fact that that's clearly in his mind still going to be his day job. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm happy with that.
1: Uh, and to, yeah, what was the what was the question, Paul? You said, you know, you not have. Is this the best person for the job? It's probably not. I mean, I mean just going by the board's decisions over the last three years, they probably got this. Is probably, probably not the best one available. I mean,
2: well, you'd say it's amazing that in a period where they've got to get someone fantastic, allegedly they've looked at everyone and come up with someone who's already been on their board for three years in a time when they haven't done so well. you'd think Isn't it just... is
0: just so typical of sporting organisations though? Mm. Like rugby does the same thing. They never really look outside of their inner circle.
1: Mm. And so I'm such an NRL fan now because Blandy <laughs> just grabs the ball by the horn and takes it and makes decisions. <laughs> it's
0: true and then he has because he is you know a part of racing as well he has then when they haven't needed it He's stepped back and we haven't heard from him for months because we haven't needed to but um it is true you can do both but you have to be very committed to both
2: beauty and hopefully ride. he'll <laughs> prove that hopefully henderson will prove that and we'll do a great job and we can never again have to talk about board members because I know that most listeners pull it fall asleep as soon as it's um
1: <laughs> as soon as the
2: subject is raised.
0: I'm I'm <laughs> on the verge of sleep.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, let's get into viewer mail and reviews. A lot to get through. And we'll go with the live comments. If you are watching live, stick them on YouTube comments. Ray, what's up, menners? I'm doing pretty good, Ray. Thanks. You know, a bit flat today, but what can you do? Um okay, Apex Stars again with the end of the Summer season down under. What's the programming plan on the channel for the next six months? There's well,
2: got no sport now, they've got nothing. Channel nine, yeah. Um, channel, channel seven and nine will just be waiting for next cricket season. No, unfortunately, Apex Stars in Australia, it's uh, rugby league in Sydney and Australian rules football in Melbourne. And they I are think the two... talking about this
1: channel, this, yeah. I think this he's talking channel.
2: about us. Uh, uh, oh, sorry, our I, I saw, yeah, sorry. Sorry, Apex Stars, I'm, I'm a goose.
1: <laughs> but we're, Apex Stars, we're happy to run you through um, NRL and AFL at another time. <laughs> What's the plan for this channel? Well, uh, basically, we're going to record live on YouTube every week uh, like this. And uh, we're going to be covering all the cricket. I mean, Australia's going to be playing. Then there's the IPL. Then Australia's playing again. So uh, lots to talk about. Um, never stops.
3: I'm World looking Cup. forward to this
2: Pakistan series so much that um, if we could get, um, you know, sponsored to go over there, we'd be straight over. And, um, yeah, in the, the Women's World Cup, yes, definitely.
1: We might do some live ones after some of those test matches as well if Paul and I are still awake. Yeah. Sorry, Julissa, so what were we going to say?
0: Oh, I was just reminding us that we also have the World Cup coming up this year.
1: Absolutely. You and Sock will be able to talk about that heaps on Sundays. Um, all right, now viewer mail. Uh, Okay so we've got that now I've got two reviews here Um, so this first one I read out a few weeks ago it was from Dave and it was January 15th and it read Jesus H Christ a beautiful natural fresh unfiltered blend of interesting cricket stuff and it goes on but five stars loved it. Next review comes in from Dave same guy but this is 16 days later so we've dropped from five stars to four stars and he's written oh my god may god have mercy on your souls bless you my children especially the fat one now i read the fat one as me paul read it as himself so that's fine um yeah i just wonder what we did in those 16 days to a drop a star and then for him to bless our children (laughs)
0: Um, I also read the fat one Is me because I've just been like eating myself to death during COVID lockdown, and now I'm paying for it. So I, it really could have been any one of us.
2: We should start the um, cricket unfiltered biggest loser competition.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I I actually once I actually <laughs> once did um an eight weeks of f45 with my friend Jake, because um, we were very like he said to me, cause I'd never been to a gym before. And he said, there's no way you could do F45 for eight weeks. And that just really irritated me. So I did eight weeks of it. I lost like 10 kilos. It, uh, it's like, it does work. And at the end of the eight weeks, like the trainer was really pumped and he was like, right, let's get you into a competition. I was like, sir, you will never see me again. And then I walked <laughs> out, never went back.
3: And all Pull those 10 kilos
0: came back very quickly. <laughs>
2: I'm inspired. The only problem is I've got a Bucks night this weekend. It's a Bucks weekend. So every time in the last couple of weeks when I've started to sort of think, I've really got to get fit. I just think, what's the point? I've got this Bucks weekend that's just going to uh, nail me to the floor in terms of fitness. So maybe after that.
0: What's the point? You still die.
2: That's true. That is
1: true. Wow! Um, all right, Robert Fairhead. If there's a T Twenty international in the forest and no one attends or watches it on TV, does the game and result count?
2: Robert, I was sitting in one of the trees and I was watching it, so it does count. But I was the only one.
1: <laughs> that was Fourth a philosophical will question. Always find that forest. <laughs> all right, we've got some questions on our last um, YouTube video. Jose from Down Under. No video would have been better with video. Thanks, Jose. We know that. Um, Ruban Loganathan, and I've just butchered that uh, pronunciation. But he's. What are your thoughts on the news that the BBL will expand to more teams? Is in the future? Isn't this a good idea? As it will lead to increased particip- participation of more local players and uh, better foreign players. I actually was thinking about this in the last week. If they were just to go, if Cricket Australia just throws a Hail Mary pass like they do in the NFL, and it's like, okay, we've got to service this TV deal. We can't play 14 rounds. Let's just chuck in the Gold Coast in Canberra for two years and see what happens. I actually don't think that's a bad thing. I think the problem is you maybe dilute the players, but couldn't be any worse than what we saw this year. I just don't understand why they would do that. That if they if they're saying we can't play this many
2: games but we have to play this many games, so let's throw two teams in and trick them into still having a competition of the same number of games. No one would get fooled by that. I don't I just don't understand um the the maths behind that. It's it just doesn't make any sense. And uh, if they if they think that two new teams should be brought in because that's what the, that's the way the competition should go, then then bring them in. But I don't think they should but don't bring them in because you're trying to trick the team. We said this in the other podcast. No, so,
1: but it's, it's, the, it's like yeah, every I game do. is worth a million dollars. So, like, you know, it's like if they were to cut the competition, they're giving back that, say, $16 no, million. I get that, but I'm saying if they say, um, yes, guess what, we're, we're going back from
2: uh, um, uh, a 14-round competition to uh, a 12-round competition, a 10-round competition, but you're not going to lose out on any games because we're having an extra few teams, and so we're going to have the same number of games that doesn't the people who are saying the competition is too long aren't going to be assuaged by that they're going to say well just you're just doing it in a different way you know it does why solve have, a few problems though. doesn't solve I don't any, think why don't have um why not have 160 teams and every team just plays once and you have 80 games that'd you know that'd be fantastic
0: I don't think it solves any problems for I think we sort of went through this on the last podcast mm. but uh, with just a couple of points first of all every game's worth a million every game's worth a million at the moment and that is rapidly declining if it's not going with to it, get watched like
1: they've signed if, off on it so
0: but, it, but but I mean, in terms of the deals in the next few mm. years and the deals in the next decade and the deals in the next 20 years, it's a very short-term view to go, well, that's worth a million dollars now, so it will always be worth that and we keep going. No, I don't think, I don't subscribe to that because I think if you're going to start devaluing the competition, you do have to look 20 years ahead. The second thing is I find it a little bit of a a, a bizarre sort of point that people make by expanding the competition you can suddenly going to get all these international players well you're not getting them now so how are you possibly going to get them by expanding the competition I don't agree look I would love Canberra to have a team maybe we need to fold one of the Melbourne teams or something and put a Canberra team in because I think Canberra would really they always get support behind this sporting teams. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't think now is the right time to expand. It seems to be whenever any sporting league starts to fail, the uh, the solution is expansion, and I, I don't think it's a good one.
2: I think what they should do is say, we've got these two years. We have to deliver the same number of games each year. Let's just make sure that from January 7, when the Sydney Test match is over, all the Australian players are available. We'll uh, throw up in the checkbook to get some good players from overseas as well and let's really give it a chance to succeed or fail on its own terms as a, an eight-team, seven-match home and seven-match away competition. And I think if COVID is, recedes and if they can do that next year, uh, plus the fact that the test matches won't cannibalise them because the schedule won't have to be right on top of each other as it was this year, I still think there's every chance that the Big Bash could bounce back next season and have a you know really good season. It probably won't ever be as high as it was four or five years ago because that might have been an artificial peak. But it'll settle down to a level not too far below that. And I think that next season there's every chance of doing that. And after two years of that, if that fails, then the next TV deal, maybe they do need to bite the bullet and um, reduce the number of games.
1: All righty. Next question. This is from Martin Lawrence. Which team do you think will provide the toughest test for Australia in the Women's World Cup? Well, I've been diving into the other teams, and I think we know that India and England can challenge Australia on a good day, but I actually have my Smokey as the home side. I think the Kiwis will be very tough in home conditions, led by Sophie Devine. She's obviously uh, one of the world's best uh, female cricketers, and yeah, I really like the New Zealand squad, Amy Satterthwaite, Susie Bates. uh, Yeah, list goes on. But, you know, I think the New Zealand side are one to watch, Martin. For those who – the Women's World Cup starts early next month, the 50-over World Cup. There's eight teams, and it's a great format. They all play each other once, and then the top four go through to the semi. So it's a real purist format.
2: Yeah, in terms of the the market at the moment, Australia is the favourite. New Zealand's second favourite, just ahead of England. Then India after that. Bit of a gap to South Africa, then big gaps to West Indies, Pakistan, and a massive gap down to Bangladesh. So certainly looks as though Australia, New Zealand, England and India would be the semi-finalists based on that.
0: I think... New Zealand, I agree. I have them as a bit of a smoky, mainly because of the players that come over and play in the WBBL two. I know it's a little bit of a different format, but still white ball cricket. And I, but I think no one, I think it'll be Australia's to lose. I just, I see in the women's game, just teams falling further and further behind in Australia. And I hope that that doesn't continue. I hope we start getting a bit challenged, but I think Australia's just leagues ahead of everyone at the moment.
2: India did show a bit this year that they, where they let themselves down was sort of not not as good in the field and that really makes a big difference. But at times they were um, uh, giving it up to Australia. So I think that India at fourth favourites might have a a reasonably decent uh, chance of causing a couple of upsets. But, yeah, obviously you'd always back Australia.
1: I mean, in the last World Cup in 2017, India beat Australia in the the semi-final. Mm. Uh, So I think when you get through to that top four, really anything can happen. As I said, I think England... And India, while not as strong as Australia, when they're playing at their best, they can certainly uh, compete with Australia. Um, Martin, good question. We will be covering the Women's World Cup. Uh, what about you, Julie? So, we'll, we'll, are you going to cover the Women's World Cup?
0: I mean, we cover every bit of cricket for um, for the news. So, yeah, awesome. for sure, we'll be covering the Women's World it should Cup. be I- exciting, I mean one thing I do like about 10 and this is not a slight on, um, my old employers nine because they have their benefits as well. But one thing I really like about 10 is I do get to cover a little bit more other sport other than rugby league, but also, Mm. um, a little bit more of the women's game and everything too. Like, um, it's a little bit off topic, but yesterday I went up and covered the NR, the launch of the NRLW and I was able to package that. Um, and sometimes in a, In other bulletins that are, you know, it's really tight for time. We also have an hour and a half. So other bulletins are really tight for time. You just don't get to package um, women's sport as much. So I'm sure we'll be packaging the Women's World Cup um, a lot.
1: Awesome. Awesome. When does the NRL M start?
0: The NRL male.
1: M. Isn't that what it's called, NRL M?
0: No, that's very (laughs) A-League. That's very A-League M. (laughs) Um, so the the men's NRL that starts um, the tenth of March.
1: I can't wait for the chooks to get out there. All right, let's get into can't let it go. It's those little bits of cricket new news you just can't let go through to the keeper. Jalisa, what have you got for us?
0: I didn't know we were doing can't let it go. We just seem to we seem to do this very sporadically. So I don't I don't have anything. I'm sorry. I've let everything
3: go.
1: Now, to clarify, Jaleesa left the last recording early. We still did it. It wasn't. um, But, yeah, that's fine. I've got uh, got enough for both of us. Um, You can have this one, Trent Copeland's 400th wicket. You go.
0: Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, Trent Copeland. I don't know how much more we'll see of Trent Copeland, but um, on the field.
1: You just forced him into retirement.
0: Just say, well, no, but because he's just getting to that point, isn't he? Like, unfortunately, we all age, Menace. I know you're trying to fight it and you're looking pretty good for your age, but um, oh, thank you. It, it it happens. I hate to break it to you, but good to see him. Yeah, get get that in, um, and also a lovely person off the field, too.
1: Absolutely. I, I think he will retire at the end of this season. I heard him talking to a radio station and he just said a few comments that made me think he's. Certainly not going to be back next year. Um, all right. Um, you can't let it people, go, Paul.
0: Sorry, he's just one of those people, too, that you probably would have got a um, bit more of a run in terms of national duties, except we have just been flushed with talent over the years that he's been around.
1: Oh, he wasn't quick enough for Buff. That was a problem. Darren Lehman, you had to be bowling 140 plus or you weren't considered.
0: So, so would... you really just like Justin Langer? No, I, uh, <laughs> but, uh,
1: no, I'm just speaking facts. I mean, uh, Darren Lehman, part of his theory was that you needed that extra airspeed to troub- trouble uh, top batters. Whether yeah, If Darren him Lehman was in
2: charge. Glenn McGrath wouldn't have had a game.
1: Exactly. So it's a flawed tactic. I mean, look at Scott Boland. I mean, he probably does bowl 140. But anyway, Paul, what's your can't let it go? I just
2: find it always annoying at this time of year when, especially football fans, decry and bemoan how long the cricket season is lingering. Are you serious? The cricket season, the men's international season, began this year on the eighth of December, and we are just over two months later, and it's all over. It's less than two and a half months. How dare you say, "Oh, I'm sick of the cricket." You know, it's time for the footy. If the if the football season was going to last the same length of time, it would be over in bloody well May. Um, you now, I. I have great affection for uh, the football codes in Australia, but it's it just sickens me how people say that it's in February, it's time for the cricket season to end. I heard um, a bit of the big sports breakfast the other day, Laurie Daly and Michael Clark, and they had their um, heroes and villains from the weekend. or they, They're good and bad. And Laurie Daly's bad was the cricket. It's gone on for too long. And Michael Clark's good was the footy. Isn't it great to see it back? Which I think he's just sort of trying to sort of show credibility in rugby league. Um, bloody hell. Um, Yes, the, the, the series hasn't been great against Sri Lanka, but don't pretend that we're in um, winter. This is still summer. The rugby league and everything else should bugger off for a month or so, and then I'll be happy to watch them. Secondly, um, I'm excited about the fact that um, they're talking about knocking down the great southern stand and improving it. And I think that uh, if they could make the MCG even bigger and even better, apparently they're blown away by how sophisticated the technology was in SoFi Stadium in LA for the Super Bowl. Uh, so the Melbourneians give them their credit; they get things done as far as sports um, is uh, sport is concerned. We've got to beat Ahmedabad, who's got the new record for the most uh, capacity in world cricket. Love for the MCG to become a hundred and ten thousand absolute super stadium. Well, a lot to just on um, your though,
0: first um, yeah. point, Paul. Um, I don't understand people in general who complain about any sport being back or any sport going too long. There's more to watch. It's like I those people are the same people that are like, "Oh, hot cross buns are already in the supermarket." It's great. <laughs> it's delicious. I'll eat them all year round if I can. Like what are you talking about? Obviously, we need them all year round. We need sport all year round. I, it's just these negative people that are dragging me down in life. I don't want to hear mm. it. Yeah, I well,
2: agree. With that. I'm, and my only um I'm kind of returning fire saying you know if you if you guys who are football fans want the cricket to be sh- shorter then you should start later if they weren't saying that i you know i'm not starting that fight so i agree with you there and i also agree with you i i love it when the, when the christmas decorations come out in august i'm all for that i'd have christmas all year round as well
1: i mean i don't know about those points uh around hot cross buns and stuff i agree with Jalise. they're always good uh, uh... I think the NRL and AFL going gone way too long. So I've got to say I'm one of those people that just gets so sick of the months and months and months of talk about it. But, but I do think this summer has been particularly joyless, and I think that's probably why it feels like it's been dragging on. Apart from the Ashes, what? And, we and, the ashes. Some of the, and some of the women's stuff, it was just a very joyless, um, bad series, you know, all the Langer stuff, all the pain stuff. Uh, the big bash was shocking. I mean, the whole thing was just, yeah, just joyless. I mean, domestic cricket's dying. I mean, th- th- it's just, it's just like, I thought this season would be bounced back maybe from the year before, but it's actually been a regression and because, yeah, so it does, it feels like a long season to me. It's the well, shortest season ever.
0: Fun.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I agree. <laughs>
1: also I mean, I think...
0: the Tim Payne stuff, nobody cared. Like, that literally lasted a week and we all moved So fucking heartless, Julita. Like, nobody cared. I'm sorry. Nobody cared. He was probably in the side if we all we all want to sit there and be really honest with ourselves. He was just probably in the side for that long because he was the captain. Like we all just want to have a good honest discussion with ourselves. We don't we we don't care. Like all the best to him and if he makes his way back in the side, that's great, good for him. I think that was pretty poorly handled by Cricket Australia as well. Um but I I, I I don't know that that really dampened the summer. I don't think anyone thought about Tim Payne once. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I, think no, I don't think the it worst. dampened it either. Yeah. I think it's the worst summer since 10-11. In terms
3: I don't of what? So. I think
1: it was just, a pretty just, good summer. Just quality of cricket, fun. I just think it was just one disaster from the next. I don't Were think you that just at
0: all. bad vibes?
1: I, I think just... it did well in very trying
2: circumstances. With the pandemic, and the fact that England played badly, um, that that's two pretty difficult things to have to come up with. And I think they handled it pretty well and got through a, a difficult season. And in terms of the length, it, I'm pretty sure as far as from first day to last day of a five-test match Ashes series, it was the shortest of all time because of the short breaks in between them. And from first day to last day of the international season, I don't know when there's been a season this short, probably not since the 70s. So, um Certainly not too long for me, and I can't wait for the Pakistan tour.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's never enough cricket for me. I Just the the whole thing felt down this year, the quality and everything. But you're right. I mean, everyone watched the Ashes. TV ratings were through the roof, so I'm glad um, the punters out there are watching. All right, finally get to my can't let it go, and this will cheer me up. Uh, So I was reading about uh, the Karachi Kings in the Pakistan Super League that started off terribly. I think they won their first seven games, And, and then all of a sudden some joy entered my heart again because there was an article on Crick Info that went through the worst um, runs in T20 cricket and I'd actually forgotten how absolutely shit house the Sydney Thunder were for a while. They lost 19 games in a row from 2011-12 season to 2013-14 season. They went on a stretch of 19 straight losses. I mean, you know, it's that's a boost to any Sixers fan out there. Um, so this is what's know, cheering you up,
2: yeah, this? absolutely.
1: I, I wonder how shit they were because
2: but, I mean, what does
1: that cheer you up? Because they're you know, they're like a poorly run club and you know, they battle away on okay? the field, and,
2: and <laughs> yeah,
1: um, <okay>, <laughs> and then the next worst was St. Lucia with 14. So, the, the Thunder have a record that will probably never be beaten 19 in a row. Oh, don't That's pretend you're I a genuine Sixers fan. Run.
2: How can you genuinely say you're a Sixers fan? The competition got invented out of thin air 10 years ago. You don't really care who wins the big I love the big bash. I want lots of Sixers oh. and for everyone to follow it. I don't really care who wins, and I don't believe you do either. Uh,
1: no, but I, I genuinely have some issues with some of the, the Thunder elements. So it's it's more why? in reflection. What, on what them don't you than like about the, the thunder? thunder? Why? Yeah. Yeah, what? Because I, totally totally to I think the sixes. Someone's <laughs> done to it. I think the sixes. Okay, I think the sixes run ten times better. I think so? the sixes is way? a great You're organization. no
0: examples.
1: Did someone do no, something nasty to you from them personal. eight years ago? I don't want to start airing <laughs> dirty laundry about uh,
3: you know, there must people be. that run uh, certain clubs. Here we, uh, here we go. Here we go. Who, who, who <laughs> no, rejected
1: your interview? Just, no, not at all. I just don't want to get um, sued for defamation. But I would say there's elements of the Thunder management. Shouldn't be in that position. Truth, of,
0: truth is a defence to defamation, so you shouldn't be worried, Manners.
1: I'm I'm not worried, but you know I don't. Hello to name everyone. If this, this is ever played so out like, in court, hello to
2: everyone in court. Hi. <laughs> it
1: would be funny if this audio was played in court. though, at some I'm going to do a duck noise now, quack quack, just
2: to make everyone in the courtroom laugh.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, that's it for this edition of Cricket Unfiltered. Um, Jaleesa, any Hi, anybody Jelisa. <laughs> any um farewell for the audience
0: (laughs) what did you say
1: anything farewell to the audience before we go
0: no just go well if you haven't had covid yet
1: uh try not to get it awesome well everyone thanks for listening paul any last words for our audience uh no uh i agree with
2: jaleesa um have, have a good time see ya
3: It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com. Sports Social Podcast Network.
0: With Lucky slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.